This is your Wednesday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Hope everybody's having a great day out there. Stay dry later on, depending on when you're listening to this. Sounds like it could get a little bit nasty today with the weather, but uh, we'll, we'll see. We've been pretty lucky so far. Lots to talk about today. Um, coming up a little bit later, Jim Suhan will join me, columnist at the Star Tribune. A bunch of good stuff with Jim Suhan. Talked about the Vikings, talked about COVID, Harrison Smith, Aaron Rodgers. Talked a little bit about the Timberwolves, which I'll get into here a little bit more in a moment here. Um, just what to uh, what to make of that franchise and, uh, and, and the like. Also talk a little bit of Gophers basketball. Those seasons opened up on uh, on Tuesday both the men and the women and we will also have to talk a little bit about Dalvin Cook and the allegations against him though I won't spend a ton of time on that because we are recording an Access Vikings podcast later today and I'm sure we will delve into that subject a little bit more probably a lot bit more on that podcast but first what did I miss these fall shows where there's so much football I don't get a chance to talk as much about other stuff other uh, other teams and so you know the Timberwolves here have uh, have have really hit a rough patch five losses in a row four of them straight at home then they went on the road looked like they were going to get one at Memphis kind of stopped the bleeding they were up you know double digits in the fourth quarter up 14 with like five minutes to play but saw that lead completely go away they lost that game in overtime even though Carl Anthony Towns had a miracle you know, 35-footer at the buzzer off the glass to get them into overtime. So what what's going on with this team? Um, why, why has a 3-1 and one start, which seemed like it had a lot of positive energy to it, descended now into this 3-6 and six record? I mean, there's multiple factors. They certainly look like they missed D'Angelo Russell in a couple of those home losses. He came back against Memphis and played quite well, but they still lost that game. So what what gives here, aside from just the fact that they're young, still trying to figure this out, and losing um, quite a few of these games? I think that it comes down to, a lot of times, fourth quarter execution. Uh, I did some of my own research into this and found some pretty alarming numbers related to that. Timberwolves in the fourth quarter have been really bad this year. A net rating of minus 31. That is worst in the NBA in fourth quarters of this season. Now, all that means net rating, you know, net rating basically means the difference between their offensive rating and their defensive rating. Offensive rating has been terrible in that I think they're like bottom, you know, bottom three defensive rating has been really bad too. Minus 31.2 net rating in the fourth quarter. Now that's even worse if you look at clutch time stats, which Chris Hine did in his most recent advance for for this team. And by the way, uh, does not get any easier because they play Golden State Wednesday night. They're at Golden State's off to a great start this year. Will definitely test the Wolves in ways that they haven't been tested by the likes of some of these teams they've lost to already. Like they've already lost to the Pelicans without Zion Williamson. They lost to Orlando at home. Like if, if they can't win those games, it's going to be a real struggle to beat a team like Golden State. But the clutch time performance for the Wolves, which is defined as games within five points in the last five minutes of the game, their net rating is minus 43 in those games. A defensive rating of 118.8, an offensive rating of 74.1. Those are both the fourth worst marks in the NBA, giving them an overall net rating of minus 43. That's terrible. 
And so what gives? Because they seem like they have a lineup that should be better in clutch time. I used to harp on this all the time when they had Ricky Rubio as their starting point guard, that they would bog down because they had a, a point guard who couldn't create his own shot, who couldn't finish. And that's so important in clutch time. So now they have basically two guys um, who can initiate their own offense, D'Angelo Russell and Anthony Edwards. And they have Carl Anthony Towns, one of the most gifted offensive big man this game has ever seen. Why can't they perform better in the clutch? And I think the answer right now, at least, is there's a lot of ball watching. They're, instead of any kind of synergy between those three guys where it makes them collectively harder to guard, there is no synergy at all. It's, it's basically pass the ball to one of them and let them try to take over instead of you know being multiple attack and really making it hard for other teams to figure out who they have to stop. There, there's a lot of ball watching. There's a lot of standing around. Say, say Anthony Edwards gets the ball. Nobody else is really supporting that play. They're really just standing there, you know, waiting for their turn to get the ball instead of trying to, you know, space the floor, get open, things like that. So that's the problem I see right now. It's, it, see, it feels like it's fixable because it feels like they have the personnel, at least on offense. Defensively is another question because, you know, when, you know, offensively, when they can't get out in transition, things have bogged down. Defensively, they really lack the size that can come into play and, in, you know, second chance opportunities, half court sets, things like that at the ends of games. And it really showed up in the Memphis game in various points where the offense led to bad, you know, bad offense led to defensive miscues and then, you know, putbacks and things like that for Memphis that let them get back in that game. So I don't exactly know when they will fix this. I think they, they certainly need more size. The power forward position has been a mess this year. They did not address it sufficiently this past offseason, even though they said they were going to. They don't have the right kinds of players playing next to Carl Anthony Towns. And so until the personnel improves or until they figure out at least how to play better offensively, I don't see this getting better in clutch time. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake. With 24-7 gaming, the good times never have to end. And you can satisfy your cravings at our restaurants and bars. Or relax in one of our luxurious hotel rooms. Those that play together, stay together. And don't forget to join Club M so you can spark new memories and bask in the rewards along the way. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. Happy to be joined on Daily Delivery today by a Star Tribune columnist, Jim Suhan. Jim, I want to talk about a bunch of things with you because you've written about a bunch of stuff, although... This time of year, we do tend to zero in on the Vikings quite a bit. So maybe we, we start there. You were in Baltimore. You've seen a lot of what has happened recently. Um, maybe let's, let's start with your overall impressions of this team because it's been such a strange eight games, and yet it kind of hasn't because a lot of the things we thought about this team going into the year have unfortunately led to their 3-5 and five record. I think that's exactly right. Listen, we all do predictions and we all get predictions wrong because nobody can really predict anything accurately. If we could, we'd all be rich from betting. But I really had a strong sense going into this year that this, despite the obvious talent on this team, and there is a lot of talent on this team, I thought this year had a chance to be a disaster because they had key players unvaccinated. My sense and from what I've heard, uh, there's a lot of, at best, there's awkwardness between Zimmer and Cousins and Spielman and Cousins and even Spielman and Zimmer. Um, 
you know, the receivers are kind of sick of playing because there, there's a lot lurking there. And usually when something, a lot is lurking, usually something comes to the fore. So I'm not surprised the three and five this is exactly where I thought they'd be. I'm not surprised they have uh, lost key, key games. Uh, I'm not surprised they've lost key games, perhaps because of unvaccinated players. Uh, I would not be surprised if they lost more games because of unvaccinated players. And what we're seeing is classic Kirk Cousins. Complete passes, but not the passes you need him to complete. Yeah, exactly. And I think you you went down a good laundry list of kind of the things we imagined could happen to this team. I think you put offensive line play into that mix where it's kind of appeared, disappeared, affected their ability to get the ball down the field at times. And I think the, the biggest thing, like you said, is going into the year, you thought a lot of talent, but boy, if you miss Anybody, if anybody, if any of those key players go out, the drop off, the top heaviness of this roster, and you saw that with the defense on Sunday, even though I thought they they played gamely for a while, especially in that first half, but they just got worn down and overmatched a because they're missing a lot of guys, including Harrison Smith, who you alluded to, who is out with COVID and will miss the next game, too. And and because they just simply, you know, don't have the don't have the horses on offense to stay on the field. And they, well, they do have the horses. They don't know how yes. to ride the horses. Uh, there you go. For some reason they have take they have turned the horses into walking uh, children in the park instead of instead of uh, trying to win the Kentucky Derby. Uh, and that's the thing is that this listen four years ago this was a defensive team that wanted the offense to move the sticks. Now you've paid Dalvin Cook, you paid Justin, well, you drafted Justin Jefferson in the first round, you paid Thielen, you've paid Cousins immense amount of money, you've drafted uh, high, you know, you, you've spent first round draft picks on, on your offensive line. Uh, you have a functional tight end, even though you'd rather have Irv Smith as your number one. They have horses, they don't know how to use them once they get past their scripted, the scripted portion of their gameplay. In other words, they can't think on their feet. And so what you're having is this kind of horrible confluence of personalities. Zimmer pounding the desk saying, we want to run the ball. We're, we're, a, we're a 1945 football team. And you have a rookie offense coordinator who's, who doesn't know how to think on his feet. And you have a quarterback who has been pounded about being cautious and not turning the ball over. And he has interpreted that to mean, don't ever throw to my wide receivers unless they're open by 10 yards. Is there Andrew, Andrew Kramer and I talked about this a little bit on Tuesday's show with kind of the, with the film review and looking at you know Thielen and Jefferson only had five catches combined against Baltimore and you know after the deep, after the deep ball to Jefferson on the first drive they got them that that first touchdown they didn't really do much at, at all they just couldn't get them the ball now it, it's a lot of factors right we we we've enumerated some of them already the offensive line Cousins you know not being willing to throw guys open or, you know, fit things into tight windows. Things have to be perfect for him. Sometimes it's the receivers not throw, not running a great route. Sometimes it's Zimmer and his philosophy. Sometimes it's Kubiak and his play calling. Like, do you, if you had to rank those, or if you had to say, here's, here's one thing that can, one thing that could make could kind of paper over all of the, all of those other problems. What, what would you think that is? Cousins being his own man. Uh, how many quarterbacks who are making $35 million a year in the NFL are like, oh boy, I can't, oh, I can't check away from, oh boy, I, I, bet I shouldn't take charge. Of you pay somebody that money, they need to be your franchise quarterback. They need to take charge. They need to get you out of bad plays. They need to call protections. They need to get the ball to the right people at the right time. He doesn't do any of those things. He would rather throw it five yards to Tyler Conklin on third and 18 
increases he, that increases his completion percentage. It take, he thinks it takes the blame off of him. It's easy. It doesn't risk an interception. I'd rather see him throw more interceptions because if he's throwing more interceptions, it means he was taking shots downfield. His receivers are going to make big plays. You're going to get pass interference penalties. And you know what? A 30, 40 yard interception is like a punt. It doesn't hurt you that much. You know, not all interceptions are created equal. Their pick sixes kill you. Uh, 40 yard shots downfield that just don't work out well. Big deal. You took a shot. You And you know what? If you take five of those, one's intercepted, one's a touchdown, one's a 40 yard gain, uh, two are, you know, and one is a 40 yard pass interference penalty. You have to play the percentages. Cousins would rather throw a two yard pass. And, and listen, I know people love to rip on the offensive line. The offensive line has been very, you know, at times bad, at times spotty the last couple of years. In general, this is a good run-blocking offensive line. And if you watch every NFL game every Sunday, and I try to watch as many as I can, every quarterback is under pressure. Every quarterback deals with pressure. Every quarterback in every game deals with pressure. Some of them handle it, some of them don't. How telling was it to you, and I want to get get off the Vikings here in a minute, but how telling was it to you, I think it was two games ago after the – loss to a Dallas where, where Cousins was asked about the timeout situation. He says, well, I just let the coaches do yeah. that. That what you were alluding to just now, the Cousins being his own man, that that sparked that thought of that quote in my head. Can you imagine Tom Brady, Aaron no. Rodgers, uh, Russell Wilson? I mean, I, the list is long. Patrick Mahomes. Can you imagine any top flight quarterback, again, any highly paid quarterback saying, oh, I don't I don't deal with that. That's not that's not that's something I mean, I, I don't get paid enough to deal with that. And again, it part of it is Zimmer's personality. Part of it is a rookie offensive coordinator. But part of it is that Cousins is not the kind of guy to to ever say, you know what, I'm making 35 million. It's my team. I'm gonna I'm gonna do I'm gonna take charge here. He doesn't take charge. No, he doesn't. I believe Aaron Henderson, uh, former Viking, had a tweet to that effect a couple of days ago, which you can't uh, can't play on the air. But uh, it was a uh, it was a good one. It uh, it spoke to uh, that very sentiment. Now you. Jim, you talked about Harrison Smith missing the game. Um, miss, he's going to miss the, the Chargers game, too, based on what we know about protocols. Aaron Rodgers, of course, missed the game for the Green Bay Packers, probably cost them a victory, at least a better shot at victory. They lost 13-7, probably could have used him in that game. You wrote about both of those cases. Um, I'm sure you got people barking at you on Twitter about being too political. Um, give, give, me your, give me your rundown of, of what you think about those two players being unvaccinated and especially the way Rogers went about his business. Isn't it amazing that a vaccine that would save lives, it has become considered political. Uh, George Washington forced his troops to get the small box vaccine. Otherwise we'd still be having tea at two o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, you know, my grandparent, one of my grand, great grandparents had polio. Can you imagine refusing a polio vaccine? Can you imagine refusing a smallpox vaccine. Can you imagine not being smart enough to realize that we are all already vaccinated against all kinds of stuff? Uh, otherwise, you wouldn't be allowed to go to school. Uh, Kyrie Irving got eight shots to be able to play at Duke University. It's, it's stupidity. And Aaron Rodgers and Harrison Smith should not be this stupid. And they do have access to incredibly good medical professionals. They are idiots who have betrayed their teams. Do you think George Washington's troops did their own research into the smallpox? I don't think George allowed them to do their own research. I'm just guessing. Uh, and, you know, I, <laughs> I, I, it's so flabbergasting, it's almost hard to talk about it because we're explaining why black is black and white is white and two plus two equals, equals four. And these idiots want to tell us that two plus two equals pi. 
I shouldn't have been surprised by Aaron Rodgers' um, radio appearance after he lied or at least uh, intentionally misled, if you want to parse words, uh, intentionally misled people about his vaccination status. I, I I I shouldn't have been surprised that he didn't come anywhere close to an apology and instead more or less doubled down and talked about the woke mob and cancel culture. But nonetheless, I thought maybe he would strike a different tone. Is that just naivete on my part or thinking about Aaron Rodgers in a way that I wasn't prepared to think about him? Because I I had a different perception of him, I think, until this. Uh, The interesting thing is that I've always had the perception, being around him a little bit, being around him in press conferences, knowing people who cover him, knowing people who know him in the NFL. I've always thought that he was an incredibly arrogant jerk who got away with that behavior because he is so great. He is a great quarterback. And he's one of my favorite players I've ever watched, both in person or on TV. But his arrogance plays out. Tell you what, there's some great reporters who cover the Packers. Um, Tom Silverstein has been doing it forever. He's fantastic. Rob Domoski does a great job for ESPN. They have so many good people over there who cover that team on a very professional basis who ask good questions. Rodgers tries to belittle and bully Everyone. That's who he is. He is a stupid bully. He's a great quarterback and he's a stupid bully. You mentioned the Vikings worried about maybe them losing more, uh, more players to, you know, COVID status. Like we said, Harrison Smith is going to miss the chargers game. Don't know the extent of how much that hurt them on the field against Baltimore, but certainly, you know, even though Cam Bynum made a nice play, had an interception in his place, you don't want to be without one of your best players, your defensive leaders, um, and looming, you're right, is the specter of what if Kirk Cousins gets it? As, as, as tough as this year has been lately for him in, in terms of pushing the ball field and some of the criticism, like the drop off from him to anybody else is, is dramatic. I picked this team to go seven and 10. And again, I don't really ever put much stock in predictions, but I, I gave you all the reasons I picked them to go seven and 10. Right now, they are on track to go about seven and 10. Uh, maybe they could squeeze out a victory that would surprise me and they get eight, maybe they get to nine and make the playoffs. It's all, it's still all on the table. There's still all kinds of possibilities. Cousins, if Cousins goes down because he wouldn't get the shot, they might be looking at five and 12 and firing everybody two weeks from now or whenever it happens. Let's transition a little bit. I don't know how much of the Wolves Memphis game you caught on Monday night. I I didn't see all of it. I kind of, I actually turned it on when they were up about 12 in the fourth quarter. And so all I really witnessed was the collapse and not the, uh, not the buildup to the collapse. Some weird stuff going on with that team right now. The the energy is weird. doesn't seem like there's any synergy at all in, in closing time. They just kind of pass the ball to each other without a purpose. And it was like, okay, your turn to be the hero. Uh, Ant, you go try it. D'Lo, you go try it. Carl, you go try it. What from whatever you've seen of them so far this year, five straight losses after that big loss after that big win to go over Milwaukee. What, what's your sense of, is this just the growing pains of a young team? Is there something else bubbling underneath the surface that's going to need to be addressed in a bigger way? What's hard is it's, it's really hard to get away from just abject cynicism when it comes to the Minnesota Timberwolves. They've been a horribly run organization forever. If you want to oversimplify it, um, a change of ownership could be good for this franchise. You could hope. We don't know what the new owners will be like, but they need to try something different on that level. And it's pretty clear that Carl Anthony Towns is not a number one. Uh, so the question is, can Anthony Edwards speed his development enough to be a number one 
take charge of the franchise, and is he good enough? We love the talent, but the NBA is a it's a hard game, and it demands a lot of its stars. Can Anthony Edwards be a true number one who takes charge of the team? Uh, I don't blame Chris Finch. I think he's a good coach who just getting overwhelmed by all the problems. Uh, he will eventually get the blame if they don't fix it, but we know now you shouldn't ever just blame a coach for all the Timberwolves' other problems. Um, and D'Angelo Russell has not been the player they need him to be. Even when he played well last night, he doesn't necessarily organize this team the way it needs to be organized in the crunch. So they have so many problems. It's really disheartening. Um, you know, and the Wolves have been so bad for so long. We're always waiting for that one transformational player or personality. Right now, the only person who could possibly be that, I think, is Anthony Edwards. And the guy's like 20 years old and trying to figure out all kinds of stuff. It's probably unrealistic for him to take charge. But if this season's going to be anything, it's probably going to be because Anthony Edwards, at some point, just says, I'm taking charge and I'm good enough to take charge. And it feels like he's already kind of trying to do that, which leads me to kind of a an interesting kind of dynamic on that team. Like, even if, if we agree, which we do, that Cat can't be the number one, can he accept that in his mind and, you know, let Anthony Edwards be that number one? Or are we going to get to a point where there's enough friction there with as good as Towns is, especially offensively, that that combination just doesn't work? That's all possible. It's all on the table. Uh, disaster works around every corner for the Timberwolves every year. So, yes, that could all happen. I'll just say that I think they're both nice people. I think they're both good human beings. Towns probably tired of being blamed for everything. And you can still have Towns be the quote-unquote number one offensive option. The ball should still – he should still touch the ball in every offensive possession, every half-court possession. You can still run the – off. you can still make Towns your centerpiece of your half-court offense. But I'm talking about type A personality. And as we also know about the modern NBA, it's really hard to have a center or a post be your go-to player – down the stretch, you really need a wing or a guard because they're not going to get double teamed in the low post before forced to kick it out. They can they can attack a defense. So I think there are ways to play with that. And, and you don't ever have to come out and say Anthony's our number one. He can just kind of play that role. Absolutely. Good stuff, Jim. Last thing, you had a good column Tuesday uh, setting up kind of this Gophers basketball season, both men and women kind of looking at Lindsey Whalen and Ben Johnson. You know, some similarities between the two um Outlooks for this team probably couldn't be a whole lot different. I think there's a lot of more confidence in in where the where the women's team is at, although they they probably should be based on the progression and you know Lindsey Whalen being in year four, Ben Johnson being in year one. What what struck you about the similarities between those two? And listen, anytime you compare two people, you're cherry picking, right? I mean, there are a lot of reasons not to compare them, but I do find the circumstances interesting. Lindsey Whalen got hired over she had ever coached again. There was going to be a learning curve on the sideline and running a program. And we've seen that. It's, it's been hard. Um, I think she has a really good staff. I think she knows as much about basketball as anybody. And yet she's had trouble winning games in the Big Ten. Um, I think, and I think also think she's had great recruiting classes and she's going to win eventually, whether it's this year or in two years. So I think the patience they're investing in Lindsey Whalen is, is appropriate and will pay off. And I just think we should give Ben Johnson the same benefit of the doubt. He isn't. He hasn't, hasn't been a head coach. He's hired to recruit, which means you have to wait and see how the recruiting goes. This is probably going to be a brutal year on the court. All I'm saying is the Gophers are not Duke. You don't just plug in a new coach and go try to win the national championship. They are the Gophers. They struggle. have struggled for decades. Give Ben Johnson a lot of time. 
trust him as a human being, just the way he trusted Lindsey Whalen as a human being, trust that he's going to work like crazy. And, and let, let's, let's give him some time and see what happens. Good stuff, Jim. Anything else coming up that you're writing about, planning to write about? Well, I'm, I'm uh, really concerned about the way Tanner Morgan has been coached. I'm also concerned that they gave P.J. Fleck a contract extension right before he lost to Illinois and right before potential losses against Iowa and, uh, and Wisconsin. I think he has a very good agent, and I think, it's, it, I think uh, the Govers might have gotten outfoxed by his agent in the timing of this. If he can't win with a senior quarterback and a dominant senior offensive line, is, is he really going to keep winning in the future? Uh, so a lot of interesting gopher stuff going on. Uh, and, hey, congratulations to Eddie Rosario. I don't really second guess the Twins for uh, moving on from him. He had His play had deteriorated, but he did help resurrect this franchise. He, and he loves the big stage, and I, I enjoyed watching him on the big stage. Jim, sounds like you're going to show up in gopher hole. Is that true? Uh, well, it's my favorite place in the world, so I wouldn't have spent time there. Thanks, Jim. We'll talk to you later. Thanks, Mike. A couple of postscripts to that conversation with Jim Suhan. Gophers, of course, opened the season, both the men's and the women's team. Men's team gets a 71-56 victory over Kansas City. Looks pretty good doing it. Um, you know, I don't know how much depth this team is going to have. I don't know how well they'll fare once we get to Big Ten play, but at least for a game, they seem like they played together. They played pretty well, and they had good execution down the stretch in taking care of business in that game. So a good start to the Ben Johnson era for Gophers men's basketball. I'll be interested to see how that continues as competition gets better. On the women's side, a much different and less uh, less uh, less popular or less uh, less enthusiastic story. The Gophers lose to Jacksonville, a team that was you know, only won one conference game last season. That was a home loss for Lindsey Whalen's team, a three-point home loss. Um, a disappointing way for them to start the year now. It's only one game. You, you can't draw too many conclusions from that. I still think they should be an okay team this year with a much better future ahead with a good, really good recruiting class coming in in 2022, but not the way certainly you want to start the year if you are Lindsey Whalen's Gophers team. We'll wonder to see if that loss influences their RPI at the end of the year when they're trying to get into the NCAA tournament, perhaps. Also, Jim and I had talked about Aaron Rodgers. After we recorded, Aaron took one more crack at going on the Pat McAfee show. Went on Tuesday, um, was a tiny bit more contrite in this version, but uh, still, his apology wasn't really an apology. Here's, here's what he said. I acknowledge that I made some comments that people might have felt were misleading. To anybody who felt misled by those comments, I take full responsibility. So it's the sorry if, I, sorry if you misinterpreted my lies uh, sort of uh, apology. Now, a reader did point out to me that later on in the interview, he said, I misled people, took out kind of the, uh, the caveats. So at least that's good. But it uh, doesn't really sound like he's taking full ownership of the whole vaccination story. By the way, reporting indicating that he got fined and the team got fined. Packers got fined $300,000 for violating COVID protocols, dropping the bucket for a franchise that makes millions, but uh, still at least a tiny bit of accountability for what happened there. 
Let's finish with the cooler, Dalvin Cook. Not to give this story short shrift, like I said at the beginning of the show, Access Vikings podcast recording later this afternoon. Imagine we will talk about this quite a bit more there, but needed to mention it here because of how serious it is. Former girlfriend of his filed a lawsuit alleging physical, emotional abuse against the Vikings running back. That lawsuit filed on Tuesday. You can read the full details of what happened in the Star Tribune. Really good, detailed work there by Rochelle Olson and Ben Gessling in that story. That will do it for this show. Good stuff coming up tomorrow. Expecting to have Agent Lee Steinberg on the show. Want to ask him a bunch of stuff. Uh, NFL agent, including how he would handle the Aaron Rodgers situation. And I will be joined by Andrew Downs from uh, Iowa Radio talking a little Gophers Hawkeyes with uh, with someone down in Iowa. Should be a fun conversation there. Hope you enjoyed today's show. We'll be back at it again on Thursday.